gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Hello everybody and welcome to this, the first ever edition of this, the US show on Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. This is ESSR Central, our brand new show where we will be talking about all the latest goings on and news from the world of professional wrestling over the past seven days. Yes, you're used to hearing us talking about features, we're now going to be talking about the up-to-date current news. So this is ESSR Central, I hope you enjoy it, the first of many weekly shows here on this Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet feed. Before we get cracking, start talking about what's went on in the last week, I do have a bit of housekeeping here, so you can find us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. Of course, you can find us on any good podcasting platform to search for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. And you can also find us on YouTube by searching Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. As you may have seen on social media over the last week, we've had a bit of a revamp on the podcast over the last week. So we now, instead of having two separate feeds, we'll now have one condensed feed here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. You can catch this brand new show, ESSR Central, along with all the feature content that we usually do, plus Saturday Draft Live, our monthly content and so much more. So keep tuned to us to find out all about that. Now, for my lovely panel who are here to join me on this debut ESSR Central show. First, he is the big dog with the not-so-shiny teeth. It's Alan McLucas. What? That makes no sense. That's a <laughs> Roman Reigns has very shiny teeth now. Have you not? Are you just not? Oh, that that was so bad. I mean, your dogs are getting washed, man. Ah, of course they are. I'm getting rusty. I've, 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 I've barely been outside in six months. I've barely had time to actually test my crap jokes out on people. Probably for the That's best. That's my thoughts Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and up next is a man who claims to be the head of the Adam Cole fan club. He also wishes he had half the abs that Finn Balor had. It's Dave Hockney. How's it going, man? And uh, that's the, the head of the Adam Cole baby fan club. Thank you. Oh, Jesus, I shouldn't have done that intro. I should have yep, done yep. You just set yourself, you set yourself up for that one. Uh, moving on. Yeah, uh, that one. <laughs> <laughs> At the, at the start of Tommaso Ciampa's theme tune, it says no one will survive. And no one will survive when this man starts giving out his impressions. Daniel Campbell, everybody. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Central. I've no idea who the hell I am, but I'm going with it. Sounds like John Wayne or something like that. Yeah. Surely he is the son of God. <laughs> oh, my God. What a great way to start off this new show. Uh... Rounding off our panel is a man who we describe as the dick dastardly of this podcast because of his dastardly actions and, well, you can get the rest. <laughs> oh, thank you, Stephen. That was actually quite quick and witty for you. I know, I think I started bad and I worked my way better as I went down the, the list there, you know, so I'm glad mm. I went that way. If I, did, if I went the other way about, it would have just went flat by the time I got down. Yeah, lower expectations to begin with and then build from there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But guys, you are the panel and this the debut edition of ESSR, ESSR Central. How are you feeling? You're looking forward to it? I'm excited, yeah. This is a, it's a new chapter in the podcast and just excited to, to get started. Yeah, and let's get cracking. Let's go with WWE. Let's start off there because 
even though we just had SummerSlam, yes guys, we did have another pay-per-view this past Sunday. Yeah, WWE did the edition of Payback, uh, for some reason doing it with SummerSlam, but we'll digress a bit on that one. And we'll go to the main news that came out of, of Payback. And Alan, it's related to the Universal Championship. And we have a new champion just one week after we crowned a new champion. Yes, Roman Reigns, now the champion. What's your thoughts on that? Not surprised. I, I really look forward to this reign. Uh, now he's a Paul Heyman guy. Um, we'll, we'll properly get the heel reigns that we've been longing for for some time. Um, Again, it's a bit poor on The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, uh, another transitional title run. Uh, he didn't even get a month this time, it was so sad. But yeah, I think this is. I think Roman being the champion gives it a stronger run. Um, I think The Fiend will be the person that eventually overcomes Roman. That's more likely to be a Mania match, but I'm quite happy with it overall. I think uh, the fans are finally getting what they've been asking for, and I don't think they can really complain now that we've got this heel room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Gary um, Ali hit the nail on the head there. Now we've finally got Roman Reigns, the Paul Heyman guy. We've kind of Paul Heyman's talked for years of how he would like to, you know, manage Roman Reigns. We kind of seen seeds of that in Roman Reigns' past years with Brock Lesnar. It was the big reveal that came at the end of SmackDown. It was probably a moment that would have been great if we had like a live, actual proper crowd there to see that ending to SmackDown. Absolutely, it's the uh, something that we have been. The, the collective fan base has been wanting for such a long time and the pairing of Roman and um, Heyman is quite uh, is quite exciting for me I'm loving this uh, aspect of the character and in terms of being a heel, Roman has got bags of material to work with here uh, you know the the story is is made I'm loving the new attitude uh, I was quite curious uh, when WWE announced this and it seems to be you know WWE's tried a, a number of times over the years with you know different things you know the choose you know cyber Tuesday um trying a pay-per-view on a different night they did the Tuesday night in Texas back in the 90s where you had a hot angle at the pay-per-view and then immediately went into another pay-per-view to build on it and I thought there was going to be a whole range of stories coming out of SummerSlam that would feed straight into payback uh it was really one story that fed straight into payback and that was Roman Reigns and I wasn't disappointed with what Roman pulled out and for a change I wasn't disappointed with a, a main event that involved The Fiend and, Bra- and Braun Strowman I, th- I really enjoyed that aspect I thought it was a, I actually thought it was a, a, a great match actually a well, not great match a very enjoyable match really hard hitting with a fantastic story around about it so I was pleased with that um, aspect of payback Stephen mm-hmm, yeah uh, David one thing that surprised me or the aspect of it, I mentioned there when I came onto the subject Bray Wyatt the Fiend he's literally just won the temp- championship back a week before and now he's now lost it to Roman. Many people thought the triple threat aspect of this match was going to be done to keep the belt on The Fiend while leading into a future match between him and Roman. So in that aspect of it, are you kind of surprised that this has happened so quickly or based on the initial reaction to this you, Roman Reigns, you know, revamp of his character, you think it's just the right call to do that right away, just pull the trigger? Uh, Honestly, I wasn't surprised by the decision that was took to have Roman act the way he did. And... 
I mean, I get, you know, it's a bit of a setback for The Fiend given his title reign only lasted a week, but in the grand scheme of things, I think it was the right decision because all that anybody was talking about from the Universal Championship match was Roman Reigns returning and also how shiny his teeth are. Uh, but besides that, um, the, it, everybody was talking about Roman Reigns and I think this was the chance where they could just turn absolutely everything on its head and bring Roman back with being the the top guy once again, but this time with the new attitude, which I think everybody's been clamoring for for years. I, I'm excited to see where this goes. Even, I think what the one saving grace I will take from that match is that The Fiend wasn't the one who ate the pin. Uh, but then again, that makes me at, ask the question, what they're going to do with Braun Strowman now? So, and I have seen rumors online that The Fiend might be repackaged into a, a face character, which I'm, I'm curious to see how they do that. But I think short term, it was like uh, questionable but in the long term i think it's going to be like probably the best thing they could have done yeah i mean daniel david hit the, came on to something there that was going to come on to you about there was a pw insider reported not after payback that apparently now the kind of positioning of the smackdown roster has changed whereas roman is now the top heel and the plan going forward is now for the fiend to be the top babyface on the brand do you see that working over the coming months if it does work, they're going to have to pull out an absolute miracle to make it work because it it's like, I mean, even though it has been done, it is like making the Joker the, the protagonist and Batman the villain. And yeah, there is a comic out there, it's called uh, White Knight and Joker becomes the hero, Batman's the villain Torres in Gotham. But to give that kind of like new twist to, to Wyatt, I'm not, I don't know how it's going to going to be because they've started out this new thing with Alexa Bliss as well so how that will be affected by why all of a sudden going babyface I, I don't see that how that's going to work properly yeah they've kind of they've teased the Wyatt babyface in the past I believe it was in 2016 where they had them teaming with Roman Reigns and they kind of pulled the plug on that I think he got injured at the time but Alan they have um, even since last year's SummerSlam they have there's been talk of making the fiend a face given how popular and how well a lot of the fans react even to the things such as his entrance and that yeah I mean for me I don't think the fiend turning face will work because it's, it's the fiend is supposed to be this terrifying evil monster and that being baby face just doesn't work uh, for me like Roman being baby face worked obviously like it's stale I, I can't see the, the fiend working it, it would work in the entrance with the character it's, it's, to me it's just a sort of no-go but then at the same time if you think about some of the fan base the fans excuse me and revolt on itself we're cheering the deal with them Katie yeah. long dead so you could argue the fiend's already maybe face because the fans all love the fiend and they already hate women and even when the roles are reversed so really you could argue your husband face the whole time. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you say that, guys, because I, I get the point that the, gymnast the mental gymnastics one has to do to imagine the the fiend as it currently is as a baby face is quite is quite a jump. I remember when the Undertaker debuted; he was terrifying. I remember when Mankind debuted; he was utterly terrifying. And they went on to be some of the biggest baby faces around. So it can be done. Is just my question would be: Is this really the time to do it? And 
it's hard to imagine the character change just now. One of the things I would say, I'm quite pleased the Fiend is no longer the champion, and I don't think the Fiend should be anywhere, should have been anywhere near the Universal Championship on either occasion. Uh, it just makes sense for his character and where he is just now. And given the belt, is that it would have been much better, in my view, for him never to be the champion and to have. Um, built the character from there. I think if they are going to make it work, you know, I think they should do it in the same aspect as they do with Finn Balor and the Demon. Like, because obviously Bray Wyatt is Firefly Funhouse Bray. He's actually, he comes across as really likable and very much more like a, a babyface character. But, you know, when he puts the mask on, you know, that's when he goes to that dark place and he just absolutely annihilates everyone in the ring. In the same way that when Finn Balor puts the paint on and becomes the Demon, it's kind of the same, same idea. But because obviously the the demon's this dark, like evil persona, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect him to portray himself as a as a baby face. Whereas Balor without the paint does recognise more as a as a face character. There's, there's also been talk actually in this last week or so that apparently the uh, Tom Colhu from uh, Sports Kida came out with this one and said that apparently the uh, the demon aspect of Finn Balor we're not going to see it again apparently in WWE. Mm. So I believe it. Believe it when I see it. I mean, WWE yeah. has a habit of changing directions. Uh, if, if the story was to come along that needed it, then they, I'm sure they would call upon it. But it really is a, a, a wrinkle to his character that should be used infrequently, and they have used it at times when it's not been needed. Um, you know, the, the Saudi pay per view is an example that springs to mind is why he needed. The, the the demon to be um, uh, Baron Corbin was it uh, one of yeah, the was SummerSlam twenty one yeah, thank yep. you I mean those two occasions he didn't didn't need to turn into the the demon but uh, yeah I'll put that into the believe it when I see it column mm-hmm. uh, going back to payback and uh, Daniel going to you in this one was something that came as a shock to me from the payback pay per view and it was on the match between former or now current WWE title contender Randy Orton and the US member of the Raw roster Keith Lee and uh, a surprising win on payback in many people's eyes for uh, the limitless one Keith Lee what was your thoughts on that Could you have, did you see that coming pre-pay-per-view I was I had a feeling that if they were going to give Keith Lee a strong performance Randy was probably the best guy they could have put him with the bit I didn't see was the clean as a whistle victory? Oh, it was um, absolute pure absolutely. clean as a whistle. Not any form of, not any dirty tactics in it. One, one spirit bomb, done. Doesn't even do the big bang catastrophe. Whatever the heck that move's called, I can't remember. No, no, yeah, you got it spot on there. Yeah, it didn't even do that move. It was just literally a spirit bomb and done. Absolutely shocking with that one. And David kind of confirms. A lot of theories have came out over the last week or so from the likes of Gary Casty, Alex McCarthy, that uh, Keith Lee has a lot of fans backstage. One particular, Vince McMahon. Yeah, he's very, very popular. Not just with the the fan base, like uh, with us as the audience, but backstage. Like there's talks of Vince. Well, to paraphrase some of these reports, uh, Vince McMahon is keen to push him to the moon, and I think you know he, he thoroughly deserves it. You know, he could he could arguably one of the be the best. Big, big man competitor in in WWE. Although one thing that's really sort of soured on me is the fact that they've changed his attire slightly, and also that they've ch- they've took away his spectacular 
theme song. There's, a, there's apparently a reason for the theme song. Apparently they want to move away from the CFOS uh, music. I think that's interesting, sorry Stephen, um, on the... When, when Lee debuted in Raw, people lost their mind over the change of music and the attire and thought the worst and actually uh, what they have gone on to do with them. I think there was no need for either. I would prefer neither of those things to have changed, but what they've gone on and done with them is, is fantastic. And so is a really good early sign. Six minutes, 40 seconds this match lasted. The Riot Squad and the Iconics match lasted longer than this. It's not very often you would see that and I think um, you know, building Daniel's point, that's the thing in this match that took me by surprise is the the quickness of the match. I was, you know, settled down expecting, you know, a near twenty minute match, uh, with a lot more back and forth between the two of them, but Lee looked utterly dominant in the match and you think a couple of week you know, the week before a lot of people would have put their money on Randy Orton being the, the world champion and here he is, you know, putting Lee over. Absolutely no doubts about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan, was it even more surprising given what we saw the next night on Raw with Randy Orton again becoming the number one contender for Drew McIntyre's WWE title? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my biggest fear when, you know, Lee was called up to the, the Raw roster was he's going to become like an all ricochet. You have this big boom and then collapse. And that was my biggest fear. But to see that, obviously, Randy's prepared to push him and uh, put him over. You know, McMahon prepared to do it. I think also for sheer diversity, it's fantastic. They're putting a black man as the main man on Raw. They're going to push him up for the world title eventually. I think it shows they're moving in the right direction with diversity. And also, just Lee as well as a performer is phenomenal. And I, I kind of echo what David was saying. He could arguably be the big, the best big man in history of WWE. And I, I think that means the limit for him. I mean, I think I'd be surprised by this time next year. He's a WWE champion, if I'm honest. Yeah, he's, he's got the full package. He's got he can he's athletic. He's powerful. He's charis- He's got so much charisma. You know. They don't call him limitless for no reason because he's, he is limitless in terms of his potential. And many people are kind of tipping him for the Royal Rumble. So mm. it's, only, it's only, you know, about four months away. I mean, it's hard to believe that Royal Rumble is so close, uh, mm-hmm. given everything we've had over the last year. But uh, from payback as well, David, I think there was one other big thing that we kind of are thought from the pay-per-view as well. Sadly, it's not the Riot Squad's <laughs> Iconics classic as Gary Clo- uh, described it there with his lengths no, I didn't say it was a classic <laughs> don't throw <laughs> that at me I just said they got nine minutes <laughs> uh, it, w- it was the other women's tag team match that we saw it was for the women's tag team titles and mm-hmm. we've went for, in the space of a week from two belt Sasha to no belt Sasha as we have new women's tag team champions in the forms of Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax yeah, it's, uh, and I'm actually, uh, I think this was probably my favorite match of the entire payback card. Not just because of like the match itself, and that, that finish from Shayna Baszler was absolutely spectacular. Like using Sasha to make Bailey tap out instead of using her own, her own like holds to do it. But I'm really curious what they're going to do with the Shayna Naya tag team, and I'm getting echoes of Team Hell No almost a bit. Like two individual competitors who obviously there's clearly a bit of tension between the two of them, 
but they work very well together as a tag team and I think their chemistry is just going to develop over time and as a result they'll grow into a stronger tag team so I'm very very optimistic about where it goes and it gives new direction and new character growth for both Shayna and Nia who I think were both getting a bit flat uh, following like Wrestlemania season yeah Daniel uh, David's made a great point there on the comparison between Team Hell No McKinnon. There was aspects of that towards the end of the match as well. The kind of the two of them had that brief hug of congratulation before they then realised no, we actually don't like each other. And they went on. So if they kinda do a fraction of what they got with Team Hell No all those years ago, they could be onto something good with these two. It'd be brilliant because I, I would love to see that side of uh Shayna and Naya come out on Raw. I would love to see them actually, you know, they are badasses like when they're required and and pardon me like they're badasses when required in the ring but then you get to see more of their character like it's not just you know come in tap you know tap them out leave or come in squash them leave it's not that it's actually there's more to these people and I think I mean I'm not saying give us a you know team hell no when Harry met Sally style scene with these two I don't mean that I mean they don't need to do that just let them go and have their fun. Just let them be like, like, oh, really? You can do that in this match? Well, watch what I do. Like, let them have a game of one-upmanship. Like, let let it develop. Let's see how it can go. Uh, I never thought when I came on this show tonight that we be there'd be a comparison between Naya and Shane and Team Hell No. I mean, Team Hell No had two talented members. This oh. team has one talented member. I thought Shayna looked uh, like a star in this match, and I will just never be convinced about Nia Jax. Uh, how how many false? Start, how many opportunities is we going to get? Nobody, you know, very few people care that I can see. <laughs> um, Let us try we, comparing we... a different team. Let us compare Nia and Shayna to. Gary's favourite team ever, Men on a Mission. <laughs> oh yeah, there was there was only one star in that tag team. Yeah, blasphemy. He even can say the great man's name in the same sentence as Nia Jax. So yeah, Nia Viscera then. Uh, <laughs> just to just to add on to that team held no comparison, there was a, a little line on on Raw. You might have missed it when they were doing their promo, where Nia said, "Quote: I am the tag team champion." Oh god, she's going to be like so. What it kind of what because it's like Team Hell No were a powerhouse and a technical team, and you can kind of do like Shayna's kind of got the submission based aspect of her game can be compared to the submission based game of Daniel Bryan's. Kane was a big powerful guy. Nia's a powerful female. You know, can't say she has much else technical wise, but people also would argue <laughs> that Kane, people would also argue that Kane was not the most technical wrestler in the world. They just debuted at the right time so <laughs> somewhere somewhere uh, in Glasgow Scott McLeod's is just ears perked up uh, yeah, so um, I was just going to say let us never forget that moment Kane dumps the Gatorade on the mall and just goes what am I doing I'm going to Disneyland <laughs> uh, Although that was Naya's response almost after they won the, the tag title it was like, uh, like I love you mom and you know cheering and dancing in front of the camera and everything uh, and uh We'll go to the other aspect of this match, Alan, and it's the Golden Role Model tag team, Bailey and Sasha, now no longer tag team champions. It's, they had four belts a couple of weeks ago. They only have one now. There's a bit we saw after the pay-per-view on Twitter with Sasha, you know, being very brunt and saying, I didn't tap. 
uh, to maybe start the descent of this one. Do you see, at what point do you think WWE will now pull the trigger on the Sasha Bailey feud that they've been meaning to pull the trigger on for what feels like three years on the main roster? Um, I think it's going to be either the tail end of this year or the start of next year for the first match to be the Rumble. The whole, I think they'll do the three pay-per-views, they'll do the Rumble, Elimination Chamber, and then they'll wait for the third match to decide it'll be a Mania, that's what my thought is, but I'm actually quite glad that they're down to one title. Like, as Gary saying there's nothing you can said, he will see Nia Jax as a talented superstar or whatever be like. I'm not a Sasha. I think she's garbage. Oh, really no, man, no. She's I, been brilliant this year. No, she's, I, Sasha has been fantastic. She's there because of her uncle is. He's a Hall of Famer. That's, I, I just won't see her. You, I never have. I never have. Um, Snoop Dogg's her cousin. After Snoop the cousin, they say, you can say the same about Nia Jax, you know. She's there because she's going to the rock. Obviously, you can say that. I mean, I'm not the biggest Nia Jax fan either, but I've just never seen it with Sasha. Sasha, to me, is... Like nine times at the end of her match was on her first folder. I'm really not interested at all. I just don't there's no talent in there. And I've kind of whoa, whoa. Like, oh wait, say some French and my point, mate. <laughs> Sorry, I just I, I I was I just per- Dave, 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 let him finish. Then you can come back. Sorry, Alan. I just don't see it. I mean, I just kinda of feel I, I know a lot of guys in the club will be saying, you know, Bailey, Sasha, I've been carrying all this, and you no, know, takes it to have, but I feel Bailey's been carrying Sasha in general. And, you know, I think the rivalry will be an interesting one because obviously they are very good friends in real life. Obviously, it's been teased for years, you say three years. So, like I'm looking forward to that just happening, actually, just getting through it and then finishing it because I'm just not a fan of Sasha I just wish she'd get released and go personally and I know I'm saying that I'm probably in the minority but I just don't see it but with Bailey Bailey is my opinion will go down as one of the absolute greatest of all time Bailey has been very very good as well over the last few months as well you can't say that one I, I personally think the two of them have been great uh, Dave would you kind of go with what I'm saying on that one they've both been really good recently yeah, I think they've both been fantastic. You know, Sasha, you know, I think she was in a bit of a rough patch the last couple of years, but she's really turned things around, you know, in this partnership with Bailey, and they've become two of the most talked about superstars, male or female, in the company. Uh, but not to say that they're necessarily on par with each other, because I think Bailey is sort of leading the charge as the, the more dominant uh, persona in this partnership, but that's nothing to take anything away from Sasha, because, you know... I think, you know, Sasha, you know, she she puts on, she always puts on great matches. She she cuts an excellent promo, but there is still that essence of Bailey overshadowing her slightly. Uh, largely because I think, you know, Bailey was the first one to get, you know, the two titles, the SmackDown Women's and Tag Titles, and she's been SmackDown Women's Champions for almost uh, a full year now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been, she's had an incredible run recently, Bailey. It's amazing from somebody who maybe at this point last year we were all you know, ruling her out. I mean, I know Gary, in your household, there was different feelings to Bailey at this time last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would have preferred Bailey heel turn to never have happened, but there's no doubt that this has been a, 
a golden period uh, in Bailey's career and she's absolutely making the most of it and I am I'm just intrigued to see where this story goes and where they go next the Bailey Sasha feud has been on the cards for so long now and we're coming up for the I think the fifth year anniversary of their epic match at TakeOver so um WWE needs to get the timing right on this. I was a wee bit surprised that they decided to pull the trigger with the tag team title loss because um, that points to the disintegration of the team a lot, you know, in the not too distant future. They'll maybe get another, maybe get a rematch and then uh-huh. uh, go from there. That would be, well, maybe a rematch at Clash of the Champions. And, I, I uh, think there's only one reason why the there's one indication to me why they may have pulled the trigger now and they must have some incline internally probably only internally that they might be able to get fans back by Survivor Series See, but this feud uh, I think this feud deserves the big spotlight I think it deserves a Wrestlemania spot now um, but there's a long time between now and Wrestlemania and could you could you really drag pull this story out long enough if not yep. Stephen then you'd be absolutely right Survivor Series with an audience <laughs> I think with, uh, if they did it till Mania, they'd be kind of a one match on a card with many big matches. If they put them on Survivor Series, they could easily make an event that show. Alan, were you saying something there? Sorry. I, I think it's going to be Mania. I mean, as you said, they've been teasing for three years. So really, what is another four or five months? I mean, if I, if, well, my thoughts are, if they're correct, we are talking 12 weeks away from pretty much the spot and then going at each other and you're getting your best of three match rumble elimination chamber the mania I think uh, I'd, I'd be I think from perspective I'd be prepared to wait because I've had three years to wait I think one of them is going to win the Royal Rumble like one of them is going to be Smackdown Women's Champion going into Wrestlemania the other is going to win the Royal Rumble and they'll have the the big match at Wrestlemania mm-hmm. yeah definitely <laughs> but those are probably the big talking points from Payback I mean I assume that no one on the panel would like to talk about Baron Corbin versus Matt Riddle. <laughs> Funnily enough, no. no. No disrespect to Matt Riddle, but it's um, the big ones, I think, things we should maybe touch upon briefly before we move on. Uh, uh, the guys, they seem to have big plans for Big E, by the looks of things, off the Absolutely. back of that, that yep. pay-per-view. And potentially, uh, Dominic Mysterio. If the Mysterio's got oh. their, their bit of retribution uh, oh, on, so to speak. On Seth Rollins and, and Murphy, you know the. What do you? What's, what's your thoughts, guys? Been on um, Dominic Mysterio so far? I, I like. I'm really impressed with how well Dominic's, you know, just uh, just flung himself right into the the lion's den, so to speak. Like, I, I'm also. I'm really glad he got rid of the hood on his uh, on the top part of his attire. Because must have been you know, listening to our show. Yeah, I mean, we called it out. Uh, like post SummerSlam, and uh, yeah, he's uh, he's just gone and done it. But yeah. Um, Back to the match itself. I think, you know, Dominic teaming with his dad, you know, was a really good way to, you know, just sort of ease him in a bit more, you know, give him a more high-profile feud with uh, Seth Rollins. And I believe he was the one who got the pin as well against Murphy, which is a, it's got to be a huge morale booster uh, for him. But Dominic has not looked out of place whatsoever, whether it was on pay-per-view or whether it was on Raw the next night. He's, going, he, he's proven that he can hang with a guy as talented as Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. But uh, Daniel, off the back of this match between the Mysterio families, the, the partly came out. Well, 
we heard on Raw about uh, Rey Mysterio was pulled from his match with Seth Rollins and apparently he's suffered a legitimate tear to his triceps which is believed to be pretty much a full tear and he will not require surgery but he could be out for a couple of months at least. Do you see this as another blow to Rey Mysterio? He seems to have been stop-start since he's returned to WWE a couple of years ago. If, obviously it's going to be a stop-start in terms of him actually being able to participate in the ring but it does actually, it, in my mind, it probably would be better if he, you know, they can continue a storyline with him and like with him being there for Dominic. Ray could easily become Dominic's manager for the foreseeable future because I remember, I think it was when they were building up to this WrestleMania still, or when they were thinking about next year. Actually, no, I remember hearing about this around Survivor Series time. They were considering Dominic versus Ray for WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So if they want to potentially still do that having Ray and Dominic be an on-screen pairing is still a pretty good option. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gary, what do you, do you, they kind of chucked Dominic into that number one contenders match on Raw. I think obviously because Ray was meant to be in it, he was a logical pe- person to be in that, but where do you kind of, I mean, if they're going to continue to have Dominic on Raw over the next few months or so, do you, where do you see his kind of position on the card? Do you think he'll maybe like go down, maybe feud with somebody like the Hut business in the coming months? Yeah, I mean, he's been very fortunate to come on and go straight into a feud with Seth Rollins, but where does an untested talent like Dominic go from from there? Um, he's not starting at the bottom and working his way up. He's going to have to take a step down from there. I thought his inclusion in this uh, championship uh, tournament was, if you call it that, was was a good move. He's clearly popular and he has exceeded everybody's expectations thus far. I've been intrigued with some of the booking he's had as well and kind of, um, f- you know, I had sort of feelings of like an NXT type of introduction in the sense that he comes in, he's been getting these, you know, putting on these big performances but not getting the victories. You know he's earning his stripes. It's not something that we often see with WWE um, booking on the main roster in that in that way. So I've been really interested with this goal, but I can see him taking a step down, and that's where the big challenge for Dominic will be when he slips into that mid card. Can he stand out from the pack? What has he got that's going to make him different? Because he's is going to have to stand on his own two feet at some point. He's going to have to move away from his dad. Um, the heel turn that's been rumoured for him to become a disciple of Seth Rollins for that to happen there's going to have to be some more tension between uh, Dominic and his dad I'd actually quite like to see that feud you know Ray put over his son on his way on his way out um would be would be quite up over Eddie Guerrero's son rather on his way out would be a, a better way to do it. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see how this one goes, Stephen. Uh, I think WWE's got an exciting new act in its hands, and uh, the challenges on do- remains with Dominic to make the most of the time and the opportunities he's got. But big challenge when he steps into that mid card is not to become like a sort of, uh, sort of Baron Corbin type character. Speak. Speaking of uh, UX on the month on WWE, uh, Dave, uh, one UX seems to have split opinion both on, you know, how they've been introduced, you know, their actions over the past few weeks has been retribution, and mm-hmm. in the last few days, according to Post Wrestling, apparently retribution, the stable who can appear anytime and cause anarchy anywhere, are now Raw exclusive. Yes, 
The stable who can appear anywhere only now appear on Raw. Oh, Mike, this has got WWE booking written all over it because that's the thing about when you're trying to create unpredictability in a stable is that they can appear anytime and anywhere. And this just restricts them in the worst possible way. It's like, all right, you can cause anarchy and mayhem, but just do it on a Monday night, okay? Like, it, it, it doesn't work like that. And that sounds like your form of anarchy. I'll go mental <laughs> once a week, the same time a week. <laughs> I am very organized. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, I think the, the, the initial spark of retribution has now sort of died down a bit. Like, Because, I mean, I was a little bit... Uh, I was a bit intrigued at first when they came out on SmackDown and, you know, they were demolishing the set like a la Nexus style in 2010 and they they got the chainsaw out. Like, that was pretty spectacular. But uh, it's just, I've lost all interest in it now. There are more pressing storylines that have garnered my attention, as forementioned, like the Shayna Naya dynamic, uh, the push of Keith Lee and the emergence of Dominic. Like, there's just so many better natural storylines that are occurring than this forced retribution angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Alan, the thing about the retribution thing is they're kind of, WWE seem to be kind of teasing a wee bit. They've got these various NXT talent showing up under the masks, but apparently the ones under the masks aren't guaranteed to be the ones revealed, you know. That, to me, kind of feels like the only excitement aspect of retribution is the kind of teasing who might be in it but as Dave says the way they've kind of booked them it's been very stop start yeah it's been very anticlimactic and going by WWE's history and situations and storylines like this I think it's going to be quite anticlimactic when you are reviewed you know it'll probably be you know, Tajiri you know and oh, I'd love Tajiri back <laughs> I'd be like, like, be like Tajiri in the hurricane and I'll be like you know what I'll be like, oh Alan really? that'd be amazing <laughs> Rebooking yeah. this really, they're doing this really well here, Alan. Yeah. On struggle. Yeah, you ruined <laughs> it now. No, no, murdered it. You know, Akira, Akira, Tazawa, Akira Tazawa and his ninjas are more interesting than Retribution at the minute. I mean, That's I know true. they were strongly linking the Miz with it. How the Miz appears, well, similar clothing. You always appeared late in SmackDown. You know. <sighs> I just I feel that WWE are just going to drop the ball on us, and I think when it comes to larger factions that start to dominate, they do go stale quite quickly. They do seem to lose the interest and the peak of their fans quite quickly. And yeah. you know, David Dave's made the point: Dominic Mysterio, Keith Lee, you know, and others are a far more entertaining and enticing to go and watch than Retribution coming in. And everything you see them is different sized people, you know. Uh, there's just no coherentness there's no cohesiveness I can't speak no coherentness to the whole storyline mm-hmm. yeah it'll, it'll be interesting when they kind of reveal it and see who's just under the mask but again can they capitalise it we've seen what they did with the Nexus I mean who killed the Nexus you know who's asked that question before on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh, another thing we kind of seen from Monday Night Raw Daniel uh It'll hurt the hearts of many people, including our own David the Goat Campbell. Uh, the Iconics are no more. Uh, they lost to the Riot Squad again uh, this past Monday, and as a result, the right the Iconics had to split up. Apparently, Daniel, there is a lot of talk backstage that Vince is very high on Peyton Royce and is very keen to give her a singles push, which may be why 
they broke them up. What's your thoughts on it? Well, obviously, I had the feeling that the like at some point the Iconics were going to split. As much as I would have loved them to have been, you know, like to give together, like when they came in and together when they go out, it's. I knew it wasn't going to last that way because WWE just worked that way. Peyton Royce, I have no doubt she's like Peyton Royce is probably like one of the best workers that they have character-wise. My only concern is if they have such big plans for Peyton Royce, what's going to happen to Billy Kay? Like, please do not let Billy Kay fall by the wayside. That's the one thing I don't want to happen. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, Gary, what would happen to Billy Kay? You know, she might end up with backstage skits with Kayla Braxton. They have well, been they've done there before. Well. We got a little wrinkle of a, 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 this story on Raw Underground when Peyton threw uh, Billy into the into the lion's den and uh, left her with the, the other two from Shana's uh, and Rhonda's four horsewomen, mm-hmm. and um, that was a that was a, not a nice move to do to your so-called best friends. There, so maybe there will be a, a Peyton Billy feud that follows. So, I, th- I mean, I've got to say the breakup of the Iconics. It came from absolutely nowhere. Uh, a thrill, th- you know, throwaway match, not even announced with any sort of story to it. And I think this is again one of the areas in, in ESSR feature in the coming months. We'll be talking about the role of authority figures in WWE uh, in professional wrestling but particularly in WWE uh, this is where they're missing because we seem to have Adam Pearce running the you know doing a terrible job at backstage security and uh, making matches you know where did the stipulation come from there was this there should have been a story here you know this you know with a wee bit of thought you know this could have made a Half decent pay per view match instead of being a throwaway moment. So I thought that was a, I thought that was a shame. I thought there was more of a story here. This could have been a bit more of a moment. To I mean, Adam, Adam Pierce knows how to get into the Firefly Funhouse. So I was really Pierce, uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. All he was missing was a, a black and white cat. Mm. He's not. They're not allowed the black and white cat anymore. Apparently. Yeah, no. I mean, Postman. Uh, uh, he's surely involved. Uh, Postman Pierce is surely involved with retribution. Some, uh, you know, there's elements of the Aces and Eight story here that someday on the inside has got to be letting them in, or they're already inside, which is why they keep circumnavigating the security. It's going to be Stephanie. Isn't it? It's going to be Stephanie. Oh man. God, no! Oh no! Oh! Oh, you've made it worse now. Oh, that's worse than Hornswoggle being part of retribution. Um, I'd rather the freaking alliance. Oh man. Um, but uh, Peyton, uh, if, if she is the one that WWE is going to strap the rock to, and they do need, we do need more depth on the women's division. Definitely need more depth. There, yeah, we need some uh, more credibility when it comes to title challengers. Asuka needs uh, people to wrestle. Um, Peyton and Billy would be, you know, very credible. Uh, Female, sorry, um, singles competitors for that. I think Peyton's first feud. I wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me, Stephen, if it was with Billy. If they were to have an issue that forms following on from Peyton's actions at Raw Underground. Yeah, you ask. It's obviously that's a good question of what's next. Who's going to be the next challenger to ask? I mean, the logical choice would be the likes of Shayna and Nia. But if they're tag team champions, they could. They're, they're going to obviously. Defender belts potentially they could be going on any roster. The Riot Squad they're off the back of two wins in a row. They could go into that, but again, that's two credible wrestlers as well in their own right. The other one probably that they still need to build up as well is Bianca Belair. 
another one that apparently Vince is high on which is hard to tell given that he never puts her on the bloody program <laughs> <laughs> but I digress uh, I'm going ra- to I was gonna, about to go on a rant about Bianca Belair but we, we could save the rant to their next talking point and go to Alan can I, add, can I add one thing about Iconics before you move on go for it I totally agree with everybody said but there's one aspect in my mind that I just can't get rid of, and it's purely from a business perspective. Is McMahon prepared to push her and uh, make her a champion to stop her from moving to EW with her husband? Yeah, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't, I, she isn't mm. that big a star in the oh, grand but, scheme of things. And becoming their equivalent of like Becky and Charlotte. I mean, there's no reason why she couldn't. There's no reason she couldn't do it in WWE, you know, but. Is that part of the reason they're, they're scared of losing their talent at AEW? Because AEW just seems to have a blank checkbook. So, and her husband's already there. I mean, there's already the rumours that Renee is potentially going to go to AEW once they're known. known Renee's, to not so, going, Renee's not going to AEW. I'm sorry. See if Renee shows up in AEW. You know, I'll. I'll, I'll be my you, you can't buy hats. Can I just remind you of one last thing before you finish, move on to the next one? You said those exact same words about a Mr. Dean Ambrose. So there's no chance he's going that was, to be. That was, that was Campbell, that was Campbell. not me. That was Campbell, not me. Mm, I remember you saying that we were in your house. At the uh, I didn't think he was going to show, show up that night. I've also it. said it before. I'm just saying. On another note, about you're talking about blank checkbooks, Alan, and I'm going to go on to a man who you've been very vocal about in the past in this podcast. A man who now apparently is not under any form of contract given he's his merchandise was removed from WWE.com. Brock Lesnar is apparently a free agent. And can you hear that? Can you hear the angels singing Hallelujah? Hallelujah. <laughs> you say that, Alan, but the the speculation, I mean, wrestle votes on Twitter though, they're very good at predicting stuff. They don't seem to get a lot wrong in terms of that. They say essentially that Vince is they're just waiting for the right time. Lesnar's just waiting for Vince to come calling for him with enough money. And WWE are just waiting to the point they need them. So do you think it's a foregone that he's going to go back to WWE or could we see him maybe, you know, packing it up, maybe going back to UFC or, heaven forbid, he goes to AEW? If he has any brains, he'll just leave it behind and stay retired. WWE is now building enough stars, they don't need him. He's came, he's done his job, let him go. He's in the past, put him in all of fame if you want to, leave him be. We don't, WWE does not need him. AEW doesn't need him. Nobody needs him. Wrestling doesn't need him. He's came, he's done his part. Let him go. If he wants to go back to UFC, let him go back to UFC if he wants to do it or not. There's no reason to bring him back. I, I can't see it because when you're building guys of like the same size and speed and build and technical ability like you're talking about Keith Lee, why bring him back? Unless you're going to do a big one-on-one match WrestleMania with the two of them. Bad guy, because... That would only be it for a one-off match, but for me, don't bring him back, leave him. Well, that's the thing. You've obviously mentioned one good reason to bring him back. The fact the chemistry between him and Keith at the Rumble last this year was fantastic. But Daniel, I'll go back. I'll go to you on this one. I think about in a time where there's WWE are soon going to move. Out, we're going to start maybe getting fans back pretty soon. You know, we're going to move away from the COVID era eventually. With ratings down for WWE across the board, and they're trying to get them back up. There's not bigger mainstream stars that WWE can call upon than Brock Lesnar. They're certainly in a rock and a hard. They're certainly between a rock and a hard place now. With like Lesnar going, that's one of their big. Like as much as people will have mixed opinions on Brock, the one thing that no one can deny is that Brock Lesnar drew money. 
Like if you said he's appearing tonight and it turned out he's only there for one segment, people tuned in, people paid attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, let us not forget, he gave us Boombox Brock. <laughs> the Brock party. Let's not forget, I mean, Dave, I mentioned it with him and Keith Lee, I mean, Brock Lesnar's performance at the Rumble, arguably, it's, ha- it's, it's been forgotten about this year given everything we've had to happen, you know, over 2020. Oh gosh, tell me about it. Like the Royal Rumble feels like years ago now, and it only happened like eight months ago. It was, but one thing I didn't overlook was the the interaction between Brock Lesnar and Keith Lee, and I think that's a that was a very interesting point raised. Like if Brock is brought back for say a handful of appearances next year, if he enters the Royal Rumble, I think if it's if it comes down to him and Keith Lee and Keith Lee ends up winning, Keith Lee has to last eliminate Brock to do so, because that'll not only pushes him to the moon, but it also gets him a definitive one-up over one of the greatest WWE has ever hosted. And with regards to, like, jumping ship to AEW or UFC, I think he'll only go whoever is willing him to pay the most money, because he could comfortably retire uh, with the amount of money he's made at the minute. And he's quite... I think he's one of those people who likes to have a a quiet, sort of peaceful life outside the scene because he doesn't come, always come across as a bit of a badass uh, on screen. Because does not like life, he does not like people. Doesn't no, like people. He, he doesn't like people. He likes his own privacy and stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just sat and retired. But if somebody got the checkbook out and gave him and say, "We'll give you this much for one appearance," I think he'll do it. And we all know Tony Khan isn't uh, isn't short of a few bob. That's it. It's amazing that a man that doesn't like people is married to Sable, but uh, enough about her. Uh, let's, go on our, <laughs> let's go on to our next uh, talking point in this one. And uh, Gary, it's uh, for the, for common fans of commentators, you know, in wrestling. We've lost one one of the better ones in many people's eyes. Uh, Maro Ronaldo is no longer a part of NXT. Uh, I mean, this is I, I mean, this devastating news. Actually, actually, I've. I've, I've I don't think it's overstating the fact Maro was universally loved. I think um, he was incredibly popular. Um, I thought he'd done a great job when he was on SmackDown and has been absolutely fantastic. He adds such personality and character to the product. He's invested. He gets you invested. He makes you excited about what you are seeing. So I'm I'm bitterly disappointed that he is he's stepping away. I, I thought he was a huge asset to the NXT product. Um, I understand uh, he's got various personal re- reasons for stepping away, and he has to attend to those aspects, but. I think he's a massive loss to the company. Mm-hmm. And uh, but Daniel, there's ironically some good news that kind of came with that one, in the form of the US member to the NXT commentary team. It's Wade Barrett back with WWE now. Apparently, his appearance last week on NXT was meant to be a one-time gig, but we did see him last night on the Super Tuesday edition of NXT, and there's a lot of talk that Wade Barrett will be a permanent addition to the. The commentary booth. Anybody who's listened to his work and Defiant Wrestling here in the UK, where he was with NWA just earlier this year, knows he's got a great, he's brilliant on on commentary. You know, could this be a great addition to the NXT commentary team? It is kind of, it is kind of funny that, and while obviously we have Maro leaving, we get good news in the form of the guy who used to proclaim he had some bad news for people. 
Yeah, but, no, it was quite an ironic one. Like, <laughs> Barrett, in my mind, is... Like, I've always enjoyed hearing him speak. Like, he's always had this kind of... It's one of those voices that when he speaks, you listen. And particularly when I heard him in commentary, because I watched a few of the uh, Defiant shows when they were running, and I caught a couple of the NWA powers that he did. And he has got a great grasp of commentary. It's just obviously, we're going to get to hear him flesh out a bit more kind of maybe work more towards the WWE style of commentary and I, I get a feeling this is something that'd be pretty damn good for him I'm looking forward to it mm-hmm. yeah Alan he seems to he seems to compliment him and Vic Joseph seem to compliment each other quite well you know they don't seem to overawe each other they both know their stuff you know if we were we could maybe add Nigel McGuinness potentially back into that mix it could be an interesting dynamic absolutely and there's a natural chemistry between them and uh, you know he's got massive boots to try and fill and Derek O'Bagari said Romaro it's it's, so, it's really you know, devastating that he's gone. And, you know, to me, he's the voice of the new generation. And he's like, he's this generation's Jim Ross. You know, my generation's Jim Ross. He was, and then Gary said it was more for me as well as his voice. His voice was so intriguing. Um, and you know, Barrett's got to come in and try and, try and fill that void. And I don't think he's going to be able to do it fully. Uh, but however, there's not really many out there that can give him a run for his money I think he is going to probably be the best option out there to come in and replace uh, as you say Adam and Nigel McGuinness uh, could add another dynamic which would be quite interesting and I think you know Barrett is really good as the heel commentator or as the face commentator he can do it a lot so I think overall it's a brilliant piece of work with WWE to get him in and get him in so quickly as well and I do hope he stays uh, and I'd, I'd, to be honest, if he continues the way he's going, I wouldn't be surprised if they move him to maybe the Raw Smackdown afterwards. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, Dave, what do you think uh, how Marrow will be remembered? What do you think his legacy would be in his sh- rather short time in WWE as a commentator? Mamma think- mia. <sighs> yeah, uh, like his, his series of catchphrases and his explanation. Ex- exclamations uh particularly when doing nxt takeovers like he was the voice of nxt for such a long time and people are always going to remember him for you know mama mia and are you kidding me like he just he just adds so much energy uh, even in the the simplest of things it's like oh my god that was a beautiful headlock like it was he makes <laughs> he makes like uh like map based like rest holds sound interesting that's how much influence he had and he was a voice that is going to be greatly missed throughout wwe and obviously his run wasn't perfect you know there was uh rumors going around that he was being bullied uh, he was uh he had a lot of jealousy thrown his way i i think it wasn't the smoothest of of times in wwe and he obviously had his own personal battles which uh it's not our place to to judge on you know how he handled them but he will, uh, I think anytime people watch NXT now, they're always going to think of, you know, what would Mauro say if he were here? But just to quickly touch on Wade Barrett stepping in now, I'm really excited for it because, you know, as the guys mentioned, you know, he's done Defiant, he's done NWA. He's also even had a position on World of Sport uh, when it was briefly on ITV. He was not only a commentator, uh, but he was also the on-screen executive. So there's no there's no denying that you no know, he has a commanding presence and he can cut a pretty sick promo. So uh, and it's a really nice breath of fresh air to hear him in a commentary position. So I'm excited to see how he does on NXT commentary, and I hope he stays for the long run. 
Uh, I mean, speaking of NXT, you know, we were recording this today and yesterday we had an NXT show, not just any NXT show, but it was NXT Super Tuesday, uh, a special edition of the show that was moved to the day before, given that it was clashing with the, uh, I believe it was the NBA playoffs in America. Mm-hmm. And the headline match of this show, Daniel, was the fatal four-way Iron Man match between Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole and Finn Balor to crown a new NXT champion given Karrion Cross having to forfeit the title last week. What was your thoughts on the match? When they announced the lineup, instantly I was excited for it. And then there was a post that uh, Johnny Gargano put up on his Instagram account where he, like, he made a very bold proclamation. He referred to the four of them as the Mount Rushmore of NXT. I wouldn't argue too much against that. No, I, I couldn't think of anybody else that could fill that uh, fill that criteria. I find that possibly the greatest compliment you can give to NXT to have the mm. four is the Mount Rushmore of it. Did you see the graphic they advertised for it as well? It was like all their heads and like they had their yeah. busts on a plinth like that's how much they value these four these four guys and certainly the four of them went out there and of course like first off the match is the start because it is to my knowledge the first time an Ironman match has been done where it is not a straightforward one-on-one or a tag team match I believe mm-hmm. so yeah but yep. I, couldn't, I couldn't find an example of it when I look back either yeah, I think the only time where there's been four participants in an Ironman match, it was the Hardys versus the Bar in 2017. No, there has there has been other ones about wrestling outside of WWE as well. I think there's been there's there's been a few of them going about, but no, I thought I thought going in and when I watched it, I had a similar idea of it. It's a hard type of style, you know. Triple threats and Fatal Four Ways are hard to pull off anyway because you're always, you know, people in and out the ring all the time. It's not just straight one on one match, but I think having them so many of them in a 60 minute match kind of helped them because I didn't really there wasn't much at any point where any of them looked truly gassed because they had enough time to go out you know they could go out for about 5-10 minutes or however long and come back in so in a way it worked you know Dave what did you think on that? Yeah I agree I think you know having the four way you know it was it was good to protect the health of all the guys involved you know it and like you said you know it avoided them from getting absolutely gassed uh, by the end of it because the last time i've seen finn balor compete for close to almost an hour it was in the 2018 royal rumble where he basically went from start to finish and you know he was like he looked absolutely cream crackered by the end of the royal rumble whereas the end of this match i mean he, he obviously did look knackered but not as knackered uh, compared to the end of the of the royal rumble and I think it also protects uh, like Champa as well because obviously he has the he still has some neck issues. He's got some knee issues, so I think keeping his uh, his his action like somewhat limited, but still getting well into the mix of everything. I think that was really really well done. Mm-hmm. I yeah. So obviously the it went to a draw between Finn Balor and Adam Cole, and they will be meeting next week. You know, a rivalry between the two it has been kind of teased since Finn Balor returned to NXT. Dave, I'm going to go to you because during, while we were recording, there's been a post on Twitter by, again, by the Wrestling Votes Twitter page, who have said, over the past month or so, discussions have transpired regarding NXT moving off of Wednesday nights. No decision mm-hmm. imminent, however, talks are ongoing, and the numbers over the last two weeks when uh, NXT's not been on at that date, or not been on against AEW, 
might have some impact on this decision. What's your thoughts on hearing that? Now that's quite interesting because you know we um, we like to have a discussion about Wednesday night wars between NXT and AEW, but I think this potential move to Tuesdays might actually benefit. Uh, I don't think it'll benefit like just NXT. It'll benefit us as the fans because it means we don't have to pick and choose between two promotions. You know, it gives us the chance to watch more stuff going on. And you know, I remember we last year we discussed uh, the issue of counter programming with uh, NXT and AEW but if they're making the if they're making Super Tuesday work you know I think I, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't like move to Tuesday because in essence it helps it helps the fans more than it helps uh, the product itself I mean that, that's just the way I'm I'm seeing it at the minute but it, in the grand scheme of things it doesn't really make a difference you know whether NXT is on a Tuesday or a Wednesday because people are still going to watch it but it also gives them a chance to watch other promotions as well now what that does for you know competitions healthy between you know two rival promotions uh i mean maybe i'm not the best person to talk about it but i think we we the fans you know we're the real winners with this with this potential uh this move i mean daniel's critics recently of nxt over the last year said maybe they try too hard to try and beat uh aw and sometimes it kind of comes across with the way they kind of run the program if they were not to have that competition anymore, I mean, if they did go Tuesday, they'd technically be against Impact, but I don't think they'd be on the same slots. And obviously, AEW darts on a Tuesday, but that's a YouTube show on late at night anyway. Uh, do you think this could actually benefit both NXT and AEW that the, if they want to run separate? I think the problem that most, like some places had, like WWE and WCW had a similar issue back in the late 90s with Raw and Nitro was some shows just didn't make sense mm-hmm. and then there'll be shows where the storytelling on both was brilliant that you had options but i think if they actually have them on separate nights that gives the shows their own time to do their own thing and then that way it's more just being okay we want everyone to be still talking about us tonight when that lot go on the air tomorrow night mm-hmm. no it completely makes sense and if it's something alan it's interesting, Alan, that they're actually talking about this move potentially. You know, I didn't think WWE would bat would uh, budge on it. I thought they'd be quite stubborn on staying on Wednesday nights. I mean, we've discussed this when AEW first came out. This isn't a ratings war anymore uh, because of you know social media, uh, digital platforms, streams, back people can record things on like the Sky Plus and BT and so forth. So it's never been about a ratings war. The only reason I can see WWE actually moving is they are still treating it as a ratings war. And if that is the case, and it seems to be the general trend, is maybe every eight weeks out of ten, AEW is winning the ratings war um, for the reason to move. However, that's the only business perspective I can see that they're looking at it and thinking, like, let's move to Tuesday. Um, however, personally, it's not going to affect me because when I get to watch it it's still going to be on the same day it's still going to come on earlier on Wednesday it's not going to affect me much um, so that's the way I can see why they've actually decided to move um, I can't agree with David I'm still going to watch I'm still going to watch AEW but I think there will be marks out there who are going to treat this as WWE is blinking first in the, in the Wednesday night war uh, I mean speaking of AEW we'll go on to them now and they, this coming Saturday, have their main pay-per-view of the year, the second ever edition 
of All Out, folks. What are you? Are you looking forward to All Out? I mean, I know it's quite hard to kind of look forward to a big pay-per-view in this kind of time, but is it something? Are you intrigued by what's going to be planned? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I think uh, I've not seen a bad AEW pay-per-view. I real, I think overall, if you take the whole product and into consideration, I think AEW is a far superior product at the moment. I just really, really enjoy AEW. But don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I don't enjoy WWE, but just not as much as AEW. Uh, I think the card looks fairly good as well. Um, AEW are quite good at hiding. You know the sort of potential spoilers. Uh, a lot of people seem to think, "Well, this is going to go this way, and it doesn't." Um, and the match I'm really intrigued to watch is the uh, Jericho Cassidy match. I think that's got potential for everything. Uh, you know, you're going to get my most mayhem match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I didn't see it. I couldn't quite remember the title. I knew it was my most or something. Um, However, I'm just kind of thinking it's going to be a bit of everything for everybody. You're just going to have obviously you're going to have great technical wrestling. You're going to have the humour aspect. There's going to be some entertainment. You know, like Kalaku is a massive fan of comedy wrestling. There's going to be a great aspect to that because both of the guys are so charismatic. Jericho is hysterical. Um, I think it's got potential to be absolutely sensational. I really do. The Mimosa Mayhem match, a match that could be won by pinfall, submission, or throwing the opponent into a tank of Mimosa. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wouldn't believe it unless it was written. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like something that you'd see on maybe TNA Impact, but oddly, this actually works given that, you know, Jericho and Orange Cassidy have had a very sort of, not just a very serious uh, side to their angle, but they've also got a very comedic side, like particularly when they did that. Uh, that debate hosted by Eric Bischoff and Cassidy just comes out with this uh, really flash, sudden uh, explanation on climate change. <laughs> he's absolutely, he is, he's, he's great, Cassidy, you know. I think Jericho's helped put him on an extra level, but it's interesting to see where he goes from that one. One match I'm particularly looking forward to seeing is the one for the AW Women's World Championship uh, with Akara Shida defending against the NWA Women's Champion, Thunder Rosa. How much have you guys seen of Thunder Rosa? I mean, Daniel, I know you said you've seen some sort of power stuff. Uh, criminally, I haven't caught any of the Thunder Rosa material, unfortunately. Oh, she's great. She is. You did, she, did you not interview her? I interviewed her two weeks before lockdown happened. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The last interview I think we've done in this podcast. One of the last ones we've done, sorry. I watched on the NWA Thunder and I thought I think she's really, really good. Um, I'm actually hedging my bets on this potential be match of the night. Oh, because I, I feel a lot of people underestimate. I know we have spoken about previously, a lot of people underestimate the AEW women's division and it has been disappointing. But Akari Shida has been a constant quality wrestler throughout she, the whole She's been time. a standout since day one, I think. I think she's been you the best in the roster. I can't, you can't really fault with the falter at all. And then with Thunder Rosa, you know, she is in the same boat. I think, you know, this is the dark horse match for the match of the night. I really wouldn't be surprised if this still the show. Yeah, I mean, I think if you asked anybody, see if you asked most wrestling fans, what match do you think will be match of the night? I think, some would maybe say that, I think the majority would say uh, Hangman and Kenny Omega versus uh, FTR. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. I think the tag team title match is going to be absolutely outstanding. Yeah. I, I think it's got... I mean, I'm surprised. I'm very, very surprised we're not seeing Bucks versus FTR. I thought this was the type, but they might save that for bigger crowds. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, well, early prediction, I think FTR is going to win the tag team titles. Like, given Hangman Adam Page has now been kicked out of the Elite, uh, I think this is going to lead to a dissension between the Elite and then some... I think they might FTR might face a few other tag teams in between just to give them a strong tag title feud. And then the Young Bucks bounce back and they'll be the ones to defeat FTR. I think I think you might be right. I think they'll save that for when a bigger crowd starts to return. Mm-hmm. I mean, a big thing, uh, Daniel, I'll go back to you on this one, is AEW in the last week or so, the last couple of shows have experimented with bringing crowds into the, into the arenas. They've kind of had this kind of boxed-off type crowds that make sure nobody's kind of similar. Kind of what we've kind of seen in some outdoor concerts down in England. Do you see that being a formula that could work for a lot of re- for wrestling companies, even wrestling companies over here across the next uh, couple of months or so? Well, from what I've seen, it's it's going a lot better than what we saw. I remember very, I think it was maybe halfway through lockdown here, uh, some promotion in the States ran a show where there was completely no social distancing and... I think maybe 10 people in the crowd were wearing masks from the whole thing. So anything is better than that. But from what I've seen of the crowd spacing, the spacing is good. There's plenty of room. My understanding is they have uh, members of staff sort of patrolling the area just to make sure everyone still like keeps to the distancing and stays within their groups. I think it's something that could work. I don't see any harm in trying something similar rather than you know, let, let's just have random uh, people from our developmental system there, or tell you what, let's have people watching a webcam where they totally can't play or, or put up any dodgy images. <laughs> uh, AEW launch a counter product, the, the Lightning Coliseum or something. I like the Thunderdome. I think the Thunderdome is really good. And, uh, don't get me wrong, I, I do like the Thunderdome. It's just, um, you know, obviously going back to competitions healthy and stuff, they... You might think, you know, would they try something similar, but they've obviously gone the alternative and actually just brought back a smaller crowd that's hopefully distancing and wearing masks. Mm-hmm. The, looking back on this all-out uh, card, they've got officially there's seven, no, eight ma- seven matches that are officially announced. There's an eight ma- eighth match that'll be added after this week's uh, Dynamite. Obviously, it's not happened at the time of this recording. Uh, there's an interesting stipulation in one match actually that kind of came out of nowhere to me. It's the match between Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara. The Broken Rules match, where apparently, if Matt Hardy loses, Matt Hardy must leave AEW. But he's only just joined. Well, he, he, must, he, he, must be, he must be winning it then. Oh, surely, yeah. I mean, because Sammy Guevara had a, a win over him in that tables match last week, I think. Yeah, I think uh, Guevara won the match last uh, last week, yeah. Mm. And he, but is it, I don't know, Matt Hardy might be teasing something. I mean, I don't know what you guys have thought. I've not been very big on Matt Hardy's run on AEW. No, no I mean apart from the uh, stadium stampede, I think was his high point, and then it's just he's just become another face in the crowd. Not unless they're going to unleash their version of the fiend. They call it, I don't know the devil or something, like that, and Hardy comes out with horns or something. I don't know. I think they're going to be tempted to try something like that with him, and he comes up there pretty wide, can kind of like, But I kind of agree with you. I think I think he's going to win, and plus usually they trained with. In wrestling, the face usually wins over the three legs, don't they? Most of the time, yeah. You, you occasionally yeah. get the heel winning it, but it's usually some way to propel the heel. Uh, speaking of propelling the heels, uh, eight-man tag team match on the card. The strange team of Matt Cardona, Scorpio Sky, 
and a natural nightmare. They are a natural nightmare to me. I fucking hate them. Uh, <laughs> Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall uh, taking on the Dark Order. Now, um, I'm going to go on record on this podcast tonight uh, as a man who's been very, very critical of the Dark Order. They have done an absolutely fantastic job of making the Dark Order absolutely must-see TV. Because mm. uh, you weren't big fans of them, like, back at the start of the year I mean have they have they like converted you or something I'm not fully converted no no I'm not fully converted but what they tried to do with them last year they tried to make them this whole ministry of darkness satanic type thing try to do all the stupid stuff they've kind of just did this thing where Brody Lee's done it he's led the stable and the rest of them have kind of just let, done a bit of charisma about them and they've just let them go out and beat people up you know and mm. it works I mean we saw it with that ang- that match on the Saturday Night Dynamite where Brody Lee destroys Cody and one of oh the my God. bits of storytelling you've, you've seen this year. Full on squash match like that. That was insane what Brody Lee pulled off. And then he comes out and covers, uh, he just pours over the smashed, the old smashed TNT championship over. I mean, that was, I mean, if that isn't symbolic, I don't know what is. It's absolutely fantastic. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Uh, and obviously, the main event is um, John Moxley versus MJF, where Moxley is banned from using the paradigm shift finishing move uh, but, can, but can he use the dirty deeds though eh are you just trying to find loopholes in this thing you know yes I, yes I did not lift him he was on his feet were on the ground <laughs> or he does that the bulldog version yeah uh, the, the headlock DDT sort of move yeah the one that Bailey uses no Bailey uses that move now does she Aye, the bulldog. It's in the bulldog as a face buster type idea. I bet she uses it. She doesn't use. She does not use belly to belly as a finisher anymore. I she uses that. With, she uses that. What's wrong with the belly to belly? It, it's pish. <laughs> but when she does it I from the top, the whole, I mean, it's just not believable as a finisher. But when, she does, the, but when she does it from the top rope, oh, I mean that. that I mean it'll hurt. I mean, you're both wildly, and you just basically mush and lift to get off your feet, and then just roll she over. Come on, no, I'm, I'm hoping that's not a believable finisher. But I take your point if it's the top rope, yeah, it is. I, I could finish up on all of that, and it's it's garbage. I mean, with digressing on the with on the match now, uh, uh, a lot of people are tipping this to be the moment where MJF uh, wins the championship. I still think he's too raw for it. I don't know about you. I don't I think he's. I don't think he's ready for it. I think he is the future of a company. I think he's going to be a multiple-time world champion. I've got no doubt in that. Uh, and, he's, and I know you, he's, you're not quite a big fan of his in-ring ability. And now I spent a kind of look at a mid level. A guy wrestles to be safe and not to push himself too far. But his mic skills are just incredible. His mic um, skills are good. Uh, I didn't like his match with Cody at Revolution. I thought it was, no, I thought it was too long, monotonous did not buy me on it at all given the build they did for it the three weeks before it was unreal with Cody going through all those different with the, the lashings and the cage match with Wardlow top draw storytelling and the match sucked I would have rather seen that cage match on uh, at Revolution rather than Cody versus MJF in hindsight yeah they, they did it too soon and then the whole feud between the two of them just went to absolute nothing and we had like what felt like six years of MGF Jungle Boy matches. I mean, no disrespect. I do think Jungle Boy is actually brilliant in the ring. I think he's going to be a big star as well. But mm. seen it far too, they did it far too much. It was just like every week. It was like him versus him, and then him versus Luch- and Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt. And 
I think I think MGS called it a year off of being the champion. I think see the kind of play MGF right now, the way Angle was when he first came into wrestling in WWF, where he was undefeated, he goes about undefeated state and then the moment he gets beat, he goes off the rails. See if they did sort of that way MGF. I hope that's the outcome because I think I agree with you, I think it just sounds too early. Um, we kind of can't really predict much because the only previous champion before Moxley was Jericho. He had the six months and Moxley took it off him. Moxley's approached the six month mark. Maybe they will, but I would rather he retained it all out and then, I don't know, put him in a title match with somebody like Page, Hangman Page, assuming he lose the tag titles and give him the title. I think. And then he drops it. Page a very good... When they had before the lock, uh, COVID stuff hit, Page was in a very good position. He was getting very over with the crowd and the tag team with Omega, and it's quite hard to kind of judge it fully with not with not having full crowds. But I, and with Moxley as well, I think we're good. We need to look at Moxley's reign kind of similar way. We can maybe we're going to look back and we'll look back at Drew's reign in a couple of years that they've not had the full benefit of the crowds with it. So it's really hard to kind of judge how well it's working. You don't be really seeing it from the you know the fans at home aspect of it and you don't get the same level of judgment of it I don't think without a crowd there I think at the same time but uh, yeah I could uh, I could see Paige winning off of somebody uh, it depends how they go with Paige looks like maybe he'll turn heel you know I mean I know there's this dissent with the elites but at the same time they kicked him out of the elite last year I'm sorry they did a skit on being the elite because I complained about it at the time because I was like, why have they kicked him out of the elite on the YouTube show? It wasn't he quit. It wasn't he was kicked out. He left the elite. Yeah, but he left it. Like, he left I the elite. He, he wasn't part of the elite, and then all of a sudden he had to be handshake before you know the stadium match, and then he's back in, and now he's back out. Mm-hmm. It might just be that that got him back in, but I don't know. Hmm. Uh, the other match that we've not talked about is a match that I really enjoyed last year. I thought the format of it was great. They're down to the Casino Battle Royale again, mm-hmm. uh, with the winner receiving a shot at the title. Uh, names who are currently announced for the match are Darby Allen, Lance Archer, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, who we also have interviewed in the past, uh, Pentagon, Ray Phoenix, Butcher Blade, Eddie Kingston, and the rest to be decided. I would love them to give it to somebody like Pentagon or Ray Phoenix. Oh yeah. Think? Oh yeah. Could you imagine? I think they brilliant. Because they're former uh, Impact World Champions. No, uh, are the two of them being World Champions? I thought it was just Pentagon. I don't think he's been as a World Champion with Triple A as well. Yeah, he was the, he was a Triple A Champion. They've the been World Champions elsewhere, but I, the only thing is, because they're now part of this sort of faction where they can't, I can't see them winning. If the names have been announced, the only legitimate one I see potentially winning is Lance Archer. Archer's a good one, but at the same time, if they put Archer in a match with Moxley, are we risking the same scenario that we had when we had Archer taking on Cody in the TNT Championship Finals, where he lost the match and he had to start from scratch again? See, I think if MGF is the, the favourite to win, I think a face person's got to win this battle royal. Now, instinctively, as soon as I heard that, that announcement, my immediate thought was Darby Allen. But I reckon he's done the Darby Allen thing too much. So yeah, no. yeah, I'm thinking it's just happened so often. I think, you know, it'd be redundant at this stage. So I reckon somebody who has not. Uh, 
appeared in AEW. I think it's going to be one of the TBD people who's yet to be announced because it looks like a very heel-heavy battle royal at the minute. And it's, they, uh, it's very heel-heavy. The only face in it is Darby Allen. Yep. So I can understand why you predict Darby Allen. <laughs> so I think it's got to be one of the... I think it's got to be a face character who will be... Uh, who's yet to be announced and they'll be the one to face a heel champion. There's, um, there's a match on Dynamite, on tonight's Dynamite. It's uh, Private Party and... SCU taking on Jurassic Express Young Bucks uh, the winning the winning four man teams will face each other so probably whoever the four guys who lose that match will go into the Battle Royal which will probably be Private Party and SCU I think will lose it and we'll have Jurassic Express versus Bucks because they will not leave the Bucks off this card absolutely not I think that could be the there was a seventh match announced that was going to be a tag team match and it was just be TBD versus TBD at the minute yeah that's the one I just that's the one I just mentioned you right got you so it'll be Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express hopefully yeah so if Jurassic Express and Young Bucks win the the eight man it'll be Jurassic Express versus Young Bucks similarly if Private Party and SCU win the match it'll be they two versus each other okay I wouldn't necessarily agree with that I think I know they're not confirmed yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if Luchasaurus or Jungle Boy are actually dark favourites for the Battle Royale. Because they're very over the fans. They've both had really good matches all through this year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up in the Battle Royale and they're in you know, the final 4-6. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting one, but it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, when All Out airs this Saturday. Uh, you can watch it on Fight TV. Uh, should be a good card last year's All Out was pretty good as well and if anything like any of their past AW pay-per-views it should be a really really good show uh, before we kind of round off this week's first edition of ESSR Central there's a few other wee areas we w- we'd like to talk about one of them comes from Impact Wrestling and I know people who, Impact Wrestling have done really well over this whole lockdown period so big credit mm-hmm. to them and on this past week's show, they crowned a new Impact World Champion, where Eric mm-hmm. Young, Eric Young, formerly of Sanity in NXT and WWE, has went back to TNA and he is now the World Champion. Daniel, I'm going to go back to you. You were quite quiet in the recent segment there. Um, just hearing that Eric Young's a World Champion again in TNA, what's your thoughts on it? I'm glad that it's been done the way they have done it now, where he's came back as a veteran and he's, you know, he's looking to prove that he's like still one of the best in Impact and it's better that they've given him this run rather than the whole like mock Daniel Bryan run they did with him years ago which I just I just didn't see the point of like Daniel Bryan's storyline was a lightning in a bottle moment like just don't try and recreate it like even if it was one of the best even if you had like the best guy in the world just don't try and do the same thing like Eric Young always deserved his own stories. Like even when he was in Team Canada, I bloody loved him. Like, oh, everything he did was brilliant. Just the goofiness of his character, just how well he could work in the ring. Everything was there. And then I just hated when, as soon as he, the sanity moved to the main roster, dead in the war. Balls that they balls that so badly. Sanity and NXT was so good. They mm. were absolutely phenomenal. Just like the war they- games. Ah, oh, the boss. Oh, he was amazing in war games, and yeah, mm-hmm. the main roster he amounted to nothing. And he was acting like a really good sort of mentor figure for, you know, like guys like Big Demo and Nikki Cross as well, like uh, 
couple of superstars who we've seen regularly here in Glasgow and ICW. So it was really nice to sort of have him take on that mentor type role, but still be, you know, like this insane maniac of a of a sort of four person cult, as it were. He's playing that kind of maniac kind of character again and impact. I mean, you actually mentioned about war games there. Was I was just the only one that part of me was hoping when Regal came out at the end of NXT. He just went, WAR GAMES! <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. It would, be, it would have made absolutely no sense, but no, I thought it would be good. Uh, so yeah, Eric Young is again Impact Wrestling Champion. Another thing that came out of Impact, I quite liked, um, somebody who's been criminally used in pretty much any promotion that she's been in. Tennille Dashwood, known as Emma when she was in WWE, made a return to Impact this past uh, week, and instantly has entered into a program feud with uh, Jordan Grace and another criminally underused NXT female talent, uh, the Impact Women's Champion Diana Parazzo. Uh, guys, I'm going to put this out to you because i seen this just before we came on here and I thought I'd mention it on that one. Do you think there's a place still for Tennille Dashwood, Emma, somewhere in the WWE system? Honestly, I think at this stage, Tennille will just be another face in the crowd way if she's put in WWE because she was, I mean, she did have some, she did make some waves in NXT as part of the, you know, the Women's Championship tournament, but that's probably her, her biggest highlight. Uh, I think on her own, she's going to stand out a lot more in TNA Impact. I like just in the same way that, you know, Diona Parazzo was just another face in the NXT Women's Division. She's come to TNA and she's made it her own now. And she's established herself as probably the top competitor, not just by winning the championship, but defeating Jordan Grace in that Iron Woman match. So it's, I think this could be a very, very promising feud for, for Impact. I think it's got potential. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, we've talked many times on this, on our shows about the NXT Women's Division. We've said we think the NXT Women's Division is the best women's division on the planet. However, I think TNA Impact gives it a hell of a run for its money. Absolutely. Mm. I don't think she should ever come back to WWE. I totally agree with David. She'd be a, she would never get the big push. She would be putting jobber matches and she'd be in squash matches. Poor there, let her build, become one of the big three. That really is the rivalry right now for the, the knockouts women slash women's title is that it would be the big three in there. Um, so I think staying away from WWE. If she wants to go to no one of the big two, if she wants to leave Impact, go to AEW, she's got a better chance there than she would um, the WWE. I agree with that. Like, it's, it was even refreshing just to hear her cut that promo. Like, that was actually a pretty good promo from her. And then just that point where she just reminds you, just like, yeah, you've never beaten me. It's when you get that added sting in there and you could see like you know, like visibly piss not only because uh, Tennille had interrupted the lovely evening that they had organised, but that black tie, that black tie dinner, no, black tie event, it was one time. Yeah, something like that. Uh, the, the only, the only thing that actually dragged down the moment was uh, the commentary. Oh, good God Almighty! It was basically. Oh, the, it was it was Todd Grisham Christian level, wasn't it? Oh, geez. You took the words right out of my mouth. It was literally just, it's Tennille Dashwood. It it's Emma. <laughs> It's uh, the, 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 to give his perspective, the Impact uh, Wrestling announced team is the husband and wife duo of Josh Matthews and Madison Rain. Yeah. And it was Madison Rain who killed it. Oh, no, it's, uh, it's bad. I think it was, was it Campbell who said he hates Josh Matthews' voice? 
Yeah, he can't sell anything. I mean, it's like, like you've won the lottery, mate. Yeah, and I've won the lottery. That's that, and it's like, like you can turn around and go, mate, your mom's died. Oh no, my mom's died. That is that's his reaction. There's nothing there. Like, you see when WWE get at him, he's he's robbed. He's absolutely rubbish. Well, the best I've ever heard of Josh Matthews was the time that they dubbed his voiceover with Undertaker for a Randy Orton promo. Oh my god, I remember that. For the Hell in the Cell. Yeah. Dude. Was it? Was Josh Matthews not the guy that was in those skits with Tim White? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Was it Lunchtime Suicide? Yep. Oh, that was tacky. Oh, very tacky. I, I unfortunately found the playlist of them one day because I was talking to, I was talking to a couple of guys about it a while ago and that it, it came up and I found the playlist and I'm like oh, I actually rem- they, like, it was, I mean his acting's bad enough already but then they throw him in a situation like that like sweet lordy yeah, yeah. Josh Matthews he sucks <laughs> and to round off the show one quick other thing on one of the indie promotions no longer have now been bought by WWE which Evolve five of their talents in the last week or so have now signed with WWE According to PW Insider, the talents who have been signed are Josh Briggs, who was the last ever Evolved champion. We have Anthony Green, who many people not maybe not too familiar with, but he had a, his valet is also signed. Brandy Lauren, people may be aware of her. She was featured on a recent Raw Underground against Marina Shafir, and she was one of the two women in the hot tub with Damian Priest at NXT TakeOver 30. That's uh, where I've seen her before. Uh, she was also she's also according to what I've seen the girlfriend of Joy Janela so there's something for you we've also got Kurt Stallion who during his time in Evolve was kind of mentored in a way by Matt Riddle so that gives you an insight into him and Leon Ruff who we've seen on a couple of episodes of Raw jobbing to talent so do you think guys this is just a, a way now to kind of build up the bottom the lower tier of the NXT roster given that they've locked guys like Keith Lee and potentially some of the guys in Retribution are getting moved up to the main roster mm. you know this is you know the, the latest intake of recruits for the performance center I think they'll be in developmental for some time before they appear on TV but I mean I do remember Leon Ruff uh, you know being the you know the guy who puts over you know big names and stuff but hopefully he gets a second wind and he actually breaks out in his own way Definitely, I could definitely see him maybe being a, a cruiserweight title contender, if anything. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Brandy Lauren. She, I think she she had a really I, I really enjoyed the match she had on see the Evolve show that they did that was on the WWE Network last year against Shot her against uh, I'm sure she was against Shotzi Blackheart in it. Is that the one where Cole defended the NXT title against Akira Tozawa? Yes, that one. Right. I'm yeah. sure she took on Brand. I'm sure she took on Shotzi on that show. Anyway, it's quite an enjoyable match. Uh, you never know. She could, I mean, I think the NXT women's division, you know, could do with a few fresh faces. Uh, given I think most of them have, you know, migrated over to Raw and SmackDown. Definitely, but it'll be interesting to see how they guys do. But that pretty much wraps up the first ever edition of ESSR Central. Guys, how did you enjoy the debut show? A lot of great talking points. I hope the uh, the momentum keeps going. It felt it felt good, like having a, a chance to just look back on the previous week rather than you know, like just like I would just mainly be looking it up and I'd really find a chance to have a good proper like chat about it. Like it was 
actually feels fun just to talk about wrestling, but like in a, such a quantity. Because it feels like now half the time it's more just like you talk about one th- part of it. We got to talk about a crap ton of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 good to kind of get digest a lot because so much happens in a week. You know, it's good. It's, it's hard sometimes to digest it in so much time. But no, that's this is something that we will be doing every week here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet as part of the ESSR Central show. But don't worry, we'll still be doing all the same types of shows that we've been doing for the last three years where we kind of take a topic and digest it in a more research-driven show. That'll be now available every Tuesday here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet's podcast platform. Next week, we'll actually be talking, friendly enough, basically, good, good follow-on from this show, about the AEW Women's Division. That'll be next Thursday's show, so you can hear that then. Also, got uh, coming up on that, we've got a lot more of our content coming out on a re- more regular basis, so every Saturday... Now on the main feed, we used to have one of the more popular shows on the extra feed, which is now folded into the main feed. We've got Saturday Draft Live. David, you're one of the hosts of that one. This is the first show of the new season. Yes, this will be the first uh, following the season six selection process. And there's plenty to talk about following uh, our first week of the draft. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that, uh, David and the guys will mention a lot more on Saturday's show about how you, the listeners, can take part in this year's season and see if you can do better than a lot of our teams. You know, if you can beat me, Dave, Daniel, Alan, you know, no chance you'll beat any of us, but you never know. You can try. Nah. <laughs> uh, and we've also got a lot of semi-regular content. We've got a lot of our monthly shows that we had on the extra feed that were coming out every Sunday on that f- f- feed, such as Eats Meets West, which had a special Tuesday night uh, debut uh, a couple of days ago, and other various content as well. And we've also got stuff on our YouTube channel. We're going to have a lot more regular feed content on that. We've got Daniel's Quiz Showdown and then coming up in the next few days, actually, if I was told reliably, we've got the latest episode of The Conspiracy Theory with David Campbell. That's true, actually. I've just received the failing question, so I'll be getting that edited and we will see it very soon. Yes, and the GOAT, David Campbell, will be next week's host here on ESSR Central where he will be digesting with his panel, all the use that takes place over the next coming seven days, which will include looking back at All Out and whatever happens or all the other programming in that period. But until then, I would like to thank my panel for this first ever ESSR Central show. First of all, Alan McLucas. Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Campbell. Thank you very much. It's been decidedly average. <laughs> David Hotley, thank you. Thank you very much. Let's keep this rolling. And to Gary Kernahan, thank you. I've been Stephen Wilson, and we will see you next week. Hello, I am the GOAT, David Campbell, and I would like to invite you, the listener, to my new show over at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets YouTube channel. And that show is The Conspiracy Theory, where once a month, I will be taking a look at all the rumours and speculation in the world of professional wrestling and giving the most important opinion on the matter. My opinion. Yes, that's right. Head over to Suplex Retweet's YouTube channel, like, share and subscribe where you'll get a lot of other great content over there, such as the new hit show, Quiz Showdown. But don't forget, check out my new show, The Conspiracy Theory, on Suplex Retweet's YouTube channel. Farewell, friends.